On this edition of the Nonstop BS Podcast, Ezekiel Elliott has a wish list of teams. Okay. The Chicago Bears are getting more and more hype after free agency spending. The Elite Eight games are finally set. We will dive into the futures market in the March Madness Tournament. As always, we will finish with our best bets in college basketball, the NBA, and the Echo Park Automotive Grand Prix at Circuit of Americas in NASCAR for the weekend. All this and more on this Saturday morning edition of Nonstop BS. Are you sick and tired of listening to the legacy media speak repetitively on the same teams, topics, ideas, themes, and players every day? Nonstop BS is a podcast that will give you topics and thoughts about the NFL, NBA, college sports, NASCAR, and others with a deeper vision into why things happen the way they do around the world of sports. There are so many lazy takes from all your favorite media personalities that frustrate you and me every day when we turn on our television or phone. Whether it has to do with politics and sports, promoting big brands, and ridding topics of context just to sway the listener's opinion. I, for one, am sick and tired of this type of sports media, and that's why I'm bringing you Nonstop BS. Nonstop BS will dig deep into the why things happen in our favorite sports leagues, creating interesting conversation along with making me and you a smarter, more insightful, broad-thinking sports fan. Not to mention, I will give you betting picks for multiple leagues using our new way of thinking about the world of sports and having a little bit of fun with it, along with maybe putting some money in our wallets. So if this sounds like something you've been craving when tirelessly listening to people shout at you about how wrong you are from all of your favorite sports media outlets, then make sure you tune in with me, Cole Lynchide, and take the journey of these fantastic seasons we are gifted to enjoy for entertainment with me on Nonstop BS. What's up, everyone? Happy weekend. Happy Saturday morning on a early March morning, uh, snowy March morning here in uh, northern Illinois. Um, another great weekend in sports, though, to look forward to this weekend. We have the Elite Eight games coming up here today and tomorrow on a Saturday and Sunday. Um, and man, has this tournament been insane. Been just absolutely crazy. Um, can't believe the results. We'll get into that later in the episode. Ooh, excuse me, later in the episode. Um, also, we've got, obviously, some more NFL um, nuggets, topics that we can talk about here. Some more players have gotten signed. Um, nobody really marquee at this point, though, so going to kind of lay off on that for a while. Really waiting on this quarterback news with Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson. I mean, honestly, that's that's going to be the big, um, the, the, the big you know, moves that are yet to be made in, in the offseason that are going to get the most flashier up until the NFL draft. Um, we do have a lot of NFL draft content that's going to be coming up here pretty soon in the month of April. Uh, so that'll be a lot of fun when we get to do more of that. But so some NFL, some March Madness. We've got our best bets coming into the week, going into the weekend um, in the Elite Eight games, and then one in the NBA and a few um, at our first road course in NASCAR at COTA. Um, so that'll be really, really exciting as well. Um, but I thought the perfect place to start here is with uh, today is with a bit of news that came out on um, Ezekiel Elliott. So Ezekiel Elliott, um, superstar running back, star running back for the Dallas Cowboys for the last seven seasons, um, was released by the Dallas Cowboys this week. Um, and he put out on Thursday, per Adam Schefter, uh, it said, Ezekiel Elliott has narrowed down a list of teams to play for that include the Philadelphia Eagles, the Cincinnati Bengals, and the New York Jets. So he has basically his wish list of teams. Is Ezekiel Elliott, did, did I miss something over the last few years? Or is Ezekiel Elliott somebody who you think really makes sense to have a wish list of teams, like a, a list of teams that, that he gets to, like, Say, I want to play for these teams because he's got... How many teams are sitting around trying to trying to lure Ezekiel Elliott onto their roster right now? Anyone? Zach Taylor says, after asked um, by a media member, uh, if they were going to be interested in Ezekiel Elliott, quote, we like our team. 
Okay. I he by the way, Zach Taylor, head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. Um Joe Mixon has some pending lawsuits and some legal situations that he finds himself in. So the Bengals don't have a lot of depth at running back, but yeah, it doesn't sound too interested in Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, the Jets haven't expressed any interest and have a crowded offense already. Uh, Brees Hall, you know, obviously the star, star running back in his rookie year last year was hurt. Um, they also have Michael Carter, who was a really good back for them last year. Um, they have a lot of cheap running backs on their roster that, that have been good so far um, and that are also very young. And then the Eagles, the other team that, he, that Zeke mentioned, that's the only real possibility, but I don't see the Eagles spending a, a decent amount of money on a running back. And so I, I really am trying to understand here, how, does Zeke think that there's like a, the, there's a ton of teams that are trying to allure him? Ezekiel Elliott's not going to make I, Ezekiel Elliott's not going to make more than four to five thousand four to five uh, million dollars uh, a year on on a contract in the NFL anymore. Okay, first of all, Ezekiel Elliott over his career has been a really really good running back. Right, he in his rookie season for the Dallas Cowboys, he rushed for sixteen hundred thirty-one yards, fifteen touchdowns, um, and you know he was he averaged five yards per five point one yards per carry, one hundred eight point seven yards per game. He was a All Pro and and a uh, Pro Bowler um, his rookie season. He also had one of the best offensive lines in the NFL, and ever since his rookie year, it has been a steady decline. And his yards per attempt, his yards per game, um, pretty much every statistic that you can find for Zeke, his touchdowns, um, except for the past few seasons, he never he never was even close to that mark again. Uh, he has three seasons of or four seasons of double digit touchdowns, but um, he also has not really been the player that everyone has made him out to be. Um, He's failed over the last three seasons. He's failed to eclipse a thousand yards um, in any in two of the three seasons, and in the one that he did, he had a thousand and two yards. Um, like I said, over the first three seasons, five point one yards per carry, four point one yards per carry, four point seven yards per carry. Pretty good. Over the last three seasons, four point four yards per carry, four point two yards per carry, three point eight yards per carry. Pretty bad. One of the lowest marks of any starting running back in the NFL. Um, if, it's my opinion that if Ezekiel Elliott, by the way, he also, he's still only at age 27. So it's not like this is a guy who's nearing age 30, which is when most, you know, quote unquote, superstar running backs um, start to lose their game and, and start to really age, age quickly. He's on the back end. He's, he's, he's going to be 28 coming into the season. But it's not like he, over these last three years at age 25 and on, um, was an aging player, was a guy who had... Uh, and an insane amount of tread on the tires. Okay, so Zeke's really just never been what a lot of people thought that he was. Um, he was a product to me. Uh, he came into the NFL from Ohio State as the fourth overall pick in the draft. He then was instantly installed into one of the best offenses in the NFL. The Cowboys have had over the first three years of his career, arguably four, had the best offensive line in the NFL. And they've still had a good offensive line over the past few seasons. They've had some injuries, but they've they've still overall had a above-average offensive line. And Zeke was put into that system, and he flourished, as a lot of running backs would have, especially running backs with Zeke's talent. Zeke has a lot of talent. But if he would have been put in situations similar to other these other running backs I'm about to name, do you think Ezekiel Elliott would be looked at as the same player? If he wasn't a fourth overall pick... And if he was put into situations like Christian McCaffrey with the, with the Carolina Panthers, okay, if, if he was put into a situation like Dalvin Cook with the Minnesota Vikings, um, who have had a horrendous offensive line for almost every single season that he's been there, okay, if he was put into um, a situation like Derrick Henry with a struggling, um, a struggling offensive line with tons of injuries over the last three seasons, Way more than the Cowboys have had. Way less pieces that have been able to uh, stick around than the Cowboys have had. Do you think that he would have been um, looked at as a, a top-tier running back there? Or would his career already have been more of a Todd Gurley type of career, where he had two good seasons, basically, 
and then just immediately vanished by age 25, 26. I'm under the impression of that, and I think that the Cowboys have only kept Ezekiel Elliott around over the last two seasons because of the contract that they paid him that locked him into their to their team, um, and they couldn't do anything about it because there's no trade value on, Eze- on Zeke when he has that type of deal. Um, I just think it's, it's very ridiculous, and I think it shows a lot about how Zeke f- views himself and what he thinks, what kind of leverage he thinks he has because of the stigma and the um, the view of Ezekiel Elliott by you know NFL fans. You know he he's the Dallas Cowboys star first 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 round pick, fourth overall pick running back that they brought in when when this team kind of turned a corner um, after moving on from Tony Romo, bringing in Dak Dak Prescott and Zeke, and he has never to this point been able to live up to that contract that that he's gotten he he had he is he he views himself in the way that the Dallas Cowboys paid him and it's showing by how he's kind of acting even though nobody is showing interest to this point there are no reports at all of any team showing interest in Zeke yet and that that kind of just shows to me like I like I kind of said it confirms to me that Zeke views himself a lot higher and thinks that he's viewed a lot higher than his play actually has been over the broad um, amount of years of his career. The lat, the over more than the back half of his career, of his seven-year career. I I find it hard to believe that any contending team is going to pay Zeke more than a one-year, four million dollar deal. I don't think he has any sort of special left in him. I think he's basically a role-playing running back at this point. Um, he's somebody that can get you the tough yards still. Uh, he still has a lot of size, and he doesn't have the speed that he had coming into the NFL, though. Uh, he lost that pretty quickly, and uh, and I, I just I don't see a team paying, and I think it's going to be... Um, I think it's going to be a mistake if any of these teams end up trying to give... Um, Zeke any sort of like major deal or long-term deal I think that's going to be a harsh mistake and I think it's 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 been very proving to see what has happened over Zeke's career as the Cowboys offense has um you know obviously had some players that have gotten older and had some players on the offensive line that have gotten injured and you've seen Zeke's play kind of even out to what I I kind of thought that he was going to be coming into the NFL Okay, so enough on that. We'll see what ends up happening with Zeke. He's obviously a big name on the free agent market, and yeah, I just like I said, I I don't I don't think any of these situations make a lot of sense for Zeke. I think maybe if the Eagles can get him really cheap, that would be the only thing that would make any sort of sense because um, I mean they're a team. Let's be honest, they're going to use a lot of running backs, and you know adding Zeke into adding Zeke in with Kent, Kenneth Gainwell. And um, and uh, uh, Rashad Penny, who gets hurt a lot, but has some special talent also, um, you know, it, it would kind of make some sense if they can get him on a three to four million dollar deal. OK, my next topic here is there has been an insane amount of hype over the last week about the Chicago Bears. Um, the Bears are going to be the public favorite to win the NFC North. Like they are going to be the public favorite to win the NFC North to be the most improved NFL team. Um, they're going to be a sleeper pick for every single, every single group that you listen to, every 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 post that you see on every website. Somebody is going to have the Bears to be their sleeper team that could make the playoffs. That could go from worst to first. That could go. That that could that could maybe. Maybe win a Super Bowl that Justin Fields could win an MVP. The Bears just they 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 fit this mold of the hype team of the offseason so much. And here's the reasons why. The key ingredients to be a popular team that people pick to be a sleeper are one, a young flashy quarterback. It's exactly what Justin Fields is. He's one of the flashiest quarterbacks in the NFL. Good? I don't know. No nobody does at this point. He hasn't had an offense sufficient enough around him to really see what he does. We know he's one of the most talented runners in the NFL, not just quarterbacks, but runners in general in the NFL. We have no idea what type of actual talent he can be as a season-long quarterback to lead a football team at this point. 
Two, the Bears were terrible for at least the... The Bears were terrible last year, and a key ingredient is to be terrible for at least the prior season, if not more. Well, the Bears maybe weren't terrible for more than one season, but they were terrible last year, and they have not been good for a long time. Three, spend a ton of money on players in free agency. Well, the Bears have done that as well. They've already spent... They've already spent the most amount of money in free agency of any team, and they still have over $45 million in cap space for this coming up se- for this coming season. Um, I'm not buying it. I kind of gone, have gone over this, you know, in prior episode, episodes when I talked about, you know, the Tremaine Edmonds signing and thinking that that wasn't the best move uh, for a, a multitude of reasons. Um and I, you know, I, I talked about a few of the other moves that I thought were just kind of okay, but just, just spending the most money, and I think I've said this before on the podcast, but spending the most money in an off season, never, usually the team that spends the most money in free agency, never is the team that has the biggest improvement that next season. They definitely, rarely, rarely, rarely live up to any sort of major expectations from all those players that they bring in. Free agents do not hit 50% of the time. Free agents are free agents for a reason. And also free agents, a lot of times, were let go because they are either declining, had some sort of injury, or there's something that their team knows about that other teams that are going to spend money on them do not know about. Okay? Where I believe the Bears have gone wrong in this whole thing is, one, it's the same thing I talked about with Tremaine Edmonds. There was a lot of players on this Bears roster that when the new regime and the new coaching staff came in, there was a lot of players that they had that were still in their prime, were still really good players. They didn't gain a lot of equity from getting rid of, um, at least not nearly enough. And they have replaced them at this point with less sufficient players for the same amount of money that they were paying those other players. Maybe slightly younger. That's it. That's the only positive you could have. That's the only positive you can you can you can give me for why getting rid of those players made any sense is that the players that they brought in this offseason are slightly younger. Okay. The other pro- the, the other issue that the bear that I believe the Bears have from what I've seen in free agency this this year with them and, and their moves that they've made is that they're stocking up on a ton of players. So far, a major bulk of the players that the Bears have signed are in unimportant positions. Okay? free agent Major free agent signings for the Bears this offseason. Tremaine Edmonds, middle linebacker. TJ Edwards, will linebacker. Andrew Billings, Nose tackle. Demarcus Walker, defensive tackle. You know, um, some other one. I mean, DJ Moore, that's a separate issue. That that one, I, I've talked about that move. The, to, the, to move the first overall pick, I thought the Bears had did a great, I thought they got a fantastic trade. I thought they got a va- fantastic value um, in that trade. So I have no problem with that. Robert Tanyan, tight end. Um... You know, the last one, Nate Davis, right guard. Okay, how many times did we say last year that this is the least talented roster in the NFL? Least talented roster in the NFL. Right now, the Bears, looking on, on the sports book right, right now, um, the Bears are plus 320 to win the NFC North. The Lions are the favorites at about plus 170. The Vikings are plus 310. The Bears are plus 320, and the Packers are plus 420. Do you know the difference in talent? Not only not only in talent on the roster, but the ta- talent at, at the head coaching position in the organization, like, like just overall structure of organization, and combine that with the talent on the roster. Do you know the difference in talent between the Packers and the Bears at this point? The Packers are way more talented. Way more talented. And how much more is Justin Fields actually proven than Jordan Love to this point? He's proven more. I, I understand that. I'm not arguing that. How much more? 
Really that much? Enough to overcome a roster that is way less talented than Green Bay's? Okay. The Bears have yet to bring in... This is the Bears' defensive defensive um, depth chart right now. If the season was to start today. And yes, I know we still have the draft. And I know we still have, you know, more free agency. But but here's their... Just, just bear with me here. Here is their depth chart on defense coming into the season. Travis Gibson, fifth round pick in 2020. Uh, just this is their front their front four. Travis Gibson, um, Justin Jones, Andrew Billings, Dominique Robinson, Demarcus Walker will obviously probably play as well um, as, as a defensive tackle. Okay, T.J. Edwards, Tremaine Edmonds, and Jack Sanborn are the linebackers. Jalen Johnson, Kyler Gordon, and um, and Kendall Vildor are the corners, and the safeties are Jaquan Brisker and Eddie Jackson. Okay, for those of you who don't know, the front the front the front seven of this team are Travis Gibson, fifth round pick in 2020, Justin Jones, who is an, an undrafted free agent on a really cheap deal that they got from the Chargers, uh, Andrew Billings, who's been a um, nose tackle that played for the Bengals and the Raiders, and really has never he had a good he had a pretty good season last year, but has really never lived up to being a worthy of being a starting uh, defensive tackle on any sort of meaningful team. Dominique Robinson, who's a fifth-round pick last year for the Bears, another fifth-round pick. Um, T.J. Edwards, uh, middle linebacker. T.J. Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds, we know about those signings. T.J. Edwards had a one good, really good year last year for Philadelphia. Before that was a, a weak spot on the Eagles' defense over the past or the two seasons prior. And then Tremaine Edmonds, who had a really good year last year, but it had been a a uh, really inconsistent first-round pick for the Bills up until that point. And then Jack Sanborn's their other linebacker, um, and he's an undrafted rookie of last year who came in and shined as a rookie. So, um, But where is the superstar in the front seven? How many teams have won a division without a superstar in their front seven on defense? Oh, by the way, Jalen Johnson's a really nice player. Jaquan Brisker and, and and Kyler Gordon, their second round picks from last year. You know they showed signs last year, but at the same time, I saw no star. I saw no great play out of either of them last year. Okay, where where this is the same exact secondary that they had last season. They have not done anything in the secondary, any meaningful move whatsoever. So no additions in the secondary, no additions. Um, as edge rushers that have any sort of impact. Um, and then no really meaningful additions at the tackle positions. They like Braxton Jones a lot at left tackle. Uh, Tevin Jenkins played a lot better last year at right tackle. Um, but I think that he's still a question mark at this point. I, the, the, Bears, the Bears have so many different positions, though, that they still need to fill. You talk about the running back position, losing... Um, Losing David Montgomery, and now they have Dante Foreman that they brought in, Travis Homer. Um, th- there's nothing significantly better about the Bears right now than last season. Linebacker, that's it. Linebacker. How important is that? Okay, where 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 is this this massive turnover that that everyone's seeing on the roster? Is it is it DJ Moore? Because last time I checked, adding one more receiver to your receiver room does not completely change. The whole team. I mean, the Bears were the 32nd ranked defense in the NFL last year. I think the Bears right now, if you're going to bet them at plus 320 and you're going to be one of these people who are saying that they're one of the most improved teams in the NFL, I think if you're betting them at plus 320, you are making a brutal mistake. The Vikings. The Vikings defense was terrible last year as well. The Vikings have brought in Byron Murphy. Um, They've brought in... um, I mean... The, 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 when you talk about what the Lions have done, even the Lions have brought in multiple different players on defense. I, I feel at this point, maybe not the Packers, but the Vikings and Lions both have improved more than the Bears have this offseason on defense. That, that is that I'm saying. And the, those, those were the other two, the, these were the three worst defenses in the NFL, all in the NFC North the Lions, the Vikings, and the Bears. And defensively, I think the Vikings and the Lions, especially the Lions, have improved more than the Bears have 
this season. And the Vikings offense and the Lions offense already are much better at the receiver position, at the quarterback position. Um, if we're just talking about last year, the Vikings and the Lions are much better at the quarterback position. Better at the receiver position. Darno Mo- or Darnell Mooney is a good player. DJ Moore is a really good player. I, d- I don't think that DJ Moore is significantly better than Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, I don't think that, that Don- Darnell Mooney has any more higher of a ceiling than Jamison Williams does. Uh, J- Justin Jefferson, I mean, there's no conversation there. I do not understand at all with an unproven coaching staff and this roster. I don't understand one bit how this team is anything more than plus 600 to 700 to win this division. Because we haven't even, I mean, like I said, I'm not going to get too far into this right now. This can be more of a conversation for another day, too. Uh, because this is going to keep going through the whole season. It's going to or through the whole off season. This is this is going to be a hype train that is going to do nothing but grow, and it's going to increase more. I can tell you already because they have four picks in the first two rounds. This is going to increase even more after the draft. Um, but but we haven't even gotten into the Packers roster, like I was going to say, and the Packers roster has so much more talent than the Bears, especially on defense. So much more talent. This makes absolutely no sense to me. Um, it's something that I felt like I had to point out. And if you, I, I hear a lot of people talking about betting the Bears to win the NFC North. It's their favorite bet. I think if you're making that bet right now, and really I think it's never going to be a good bet this offseason, um, I think you're making a massive mistake. That w- One last thing on this. Where, where are these other players that the Bears are going? Because I keep hearing, like I said, the Bears have $45 million still in cap space. Okay, Unless they make a massive trade and trade draft picks, trade draft capital, where which would be so um, ridiculous for what their whole plan actually is to get a, a lot younger and bring in a bunch of younger players that are cheaper. Where, where are you? Okay, so in free agency, where are you signing these major in, impact players with the rest of your forty million, forty-five million dollars that you're bragging about? I just, I, I don't understand it all. I don't understand how this team has improved enough to get this much hype and this much attention. I get why, like I said, like I pointed out, I get why they're doing it. I think it's wrong, and I think that it's just a hole that everyone falls into all the time. And I think I've done a pretty decent job of outlining why the Bears are so flawed still um, and why you should not fall into the trap of of thinking that this team is going to make some massive improvement in the, in their in their second year of this rebu- this major rebuild. Okay. Oh, I was going to also say right now if if we had to talk right now the Bears ceiling to me 8 and 9. Their floor is 4 and 13, I think. I think they still could be basically what they were last year again. I I, I just don't see my prediction for them is 6 and 11. I think they're going to make improvements. I think their offense is going to be significantly better this year than they were last year. I think their defense is still going to be one of, if not the worst defenses in the NFL. I don't see any sort of major improvement yet. I get they have a lot of young players, but at the same time, and they could bring in more, so this could change after the draft. But at this point, I don't understand where the major improvement is going to um, take place in 2023 for the Bears on defense. Okay, I'm going to take a break, and then I will be back, and we will talk Elite Eight in the March Madness Tournament here on Nonstop BS. All right, so in college basketball, in the March Madness Tournament, we have our Elite Eight set, and boy, have there been some surprises. So the results of the Sweet 16 games were the that San Diego State beat Alabama 71-64, to uh, Creighton beat Princeton 86 to 75. FAU beat Tennessee 62 to 55. Kansas State beat Michigan State in a thriller 98 to 93. Um, Gonzaga beat UCLA 79-76. UConn beat Arkansas 88-65. Texas beat Xavier 83 to 71 and Miami beat Houston, the number one seed Houston, 89-75. to So all four number one seeds now completely out, and we have these eight remaining teams left in these games. In the south region, we have San Diego State going to take on Creighton, uh, the five-seeded San Diego State, the six-seeded Creighton. 
In the East region, we have the three-seeded Kansas State taking on the nine-seeded FAU. Um, in the Midwest region, we have the five-seeded Miami taking on the two-seeded Texas. And in the West region, we have UConn, four-seed, taking on the three-seeded Gonzaga. Boy, I bet nobody's bracket is 100% correct. <laughs> it has been a whirlwind of a tournament and super, super fun. Um, so digging into this and start to start out here, the only future that I have left that I gave out for a bet um, on the podcast before the tournament started is Creighton. Creighton's been awesome. Creighton has, um, you know, beaten the teams that they should have to this point. They've not had the toughest schedule, I wouldn't say, um, up until this point. And I think their game against San Diego State on Sunday is going to be fantastic. I think it's the best opponent they've played to this point. Um, they did beat the three-seeded Baylor. Um, you know, they, they've beaten NC State in the first round, and then they beat Baylor, so 85-76, to 76, and then they beat Princeton. So they kind of got an easy... I would say an easy sweet 16 game for them. Um, and, but you know, that's how it goes in the tournament though. I, as we've seen a ton of underdogs, uh, win and we've had a, I mean, you know, like I said, no one seeds left, only one, two seed left, uh, two, three seeds, a four, two fives, a six and a nine remaining in the tournament. So tons of underdogs have won. Um, I think Creighton, Still has a really good chance of actually, uh, they have a fantastic chance, I think, of winning it. Um, but these teams are all really, really close, and they're all they're, they're all obviously playing their best basketball right now uh, in the tournament. That's why they're here. Um, so I'm going to kind of go over these these games, and then I'm going to give you guys what I think my best future play would be right now if you guys are going to bet into this market. Um, I I think it's I think there's one really good bet that is out there right now. I think the odds are. Um, not exactly right personally on this team. So I think if you're going to lay a bet, it's going to be on this on this team that I'm going to give out. But get to that in one second. So I have the eight teams ranked in this order right now based on how they've played in the tournament, based on how they played all season. This is the order that I put them in. And then I'll also give what their odds are as outrights after I say it. So number one, I have Texas. Number two... I have UConn, number three, Kansas State, number four, Creighton, number five, San Diego State, six, Gonzaga, seven, FAU, and eight, Miami. So right now, Texas is, who is my, or right now, Texas is my number one, they're plus 350. UConn's my number two, they're plus 310. This is at the sports book that I'm looking at. Kansas State's my third, they're plus 700. Creighton's my four, they're plus 550. San Diego State's my fifth. They're ten to one plus thousand. Gonzaga's my sixth. They're plus five fifty. FAU's seventh for me, and they're plus fourteen hundred. And Miami's eighth. They're plus twelve hundred. You can probably find different odds, slightly different odds at different books. Uh, price shop. This is obviously, but um, when you look at these odds and then my rankings, and uh, people could have them in different orders. Obviously, this is been a super random tournament and there's been a lot of a lot of results nobody saw coming so that i don't i don't I'm not saying that this is like in concrete that this is my order but th- this is what how what i've from what i've seen watching the tournament this is the order of the teams um in in i think the overall talent and and how they have played and and also factoring in the strength of opponent San Diego State, I think, would be one of my worst. One, I, I think I get a little bit of why they're ten to one, except for the fact that they have taken down some of the best teams in the tournament. When you talk about beating Alabama, and and that I mean that is such a massive game. And then the way that they beat Furman. Furman was a really good, really good thirteen seeded team. Uh, I, I had Furman winning the first game, uh, that, which they obviously did against Virginia. I, I thought Furman was a super underrated team. Um, coming into the, the, the tournament. And honestly, I wouldn't even say underrated. I would say just they were, they were a team. If you were going to bet an under, if you were going to pick an underdog in your bracket, Furman was definitely the team to go with. Um, and that showed because they were only four and a half, I believe four and a half or five and a half point dogs against Virginia in that game. Um, so, but regardless, San Diego state has had a, a really good run to this point in the tournament. So, 
that's why I have them a little bit higher. I still don't trust Gonzaga defensively. They still have struggled defensively. They have played so good offensively. And they can keep doing that, but if they're going to run into these other teams that are super good offensively, like their game that they have here coming up on Sunday um, against UConn, or on, on Saturday, my bad, against tonight against UConn, um, I just don't see this lasting all the way to the championship. I don't understand it. I don't understand why they're plus 550. I think that they should be longer. I think that that one of these offenses is going to just be able to implode um, Gonzaga's defense. So where I'm kind of going with this is, if I was going to make a bet at all right now, it would definitely be San Diego State at 10 to 1. If you look at the line that recently came out in the in the San Diego State Creighton game here after these games finished on Friday night, um, Creighton's a one and a half point favorite. You can get San Diego State on the money line at plus one hundred. I mean, that just kind of shows how mispriced I feel like. Even the market is telling you how mispriced the San Diego is in in the the future to win the title. They play Creighton obviously right now, and if you wanted to bet San Diego State in that game, it makes absolutely no sense. Why you wouldn't also and probably just play San Diego State at ten to one right now? Because if they win that game, their price is going to shorten to, I mean, bare minimum four hundred um, with the teams that are remaining. There, there's no team, there's no team that's rated insanely higher than San Diego State left in the tournament. And if they win this game, they're going to play either Kansas State or FAU, which neither of them are significant going to be significant favorites over San Diego State. So, and if they are at all, FAU will not be. Kansas State will probably be pretty much a pick 'em against San Diego State. So, um at 10 to 1 when they have two games remaining until they get to the to the title where they don't have to face Texas or um Yukon, who I think are clearly the the two best teams left. Um I mean, that just seems fantastic. Like, you're putting yourself in a fantastic spot to be able to hedge against San Diego State. Hedging against a 10 to 1 will be easy. And if they beat Creighton, which at a 10 to 1, at 10 to 1 price, that's a really good price to basically just need to beat Creighton and then, and then um, face another team, which you're most likely going to be a favorite in. Um, but if you beat Creighton and then you are able to get to the championship, that puts you in a great position to hedge. And if you have a Creighton future, you need to bet this. You need to bet San Diego State right now. Because I personally think that the winner of this game is going to end up uh, in the national championship at this point. Um, I think that they they both have a good shot of beating Kansas. I, I have Kansas State over them right now, but man, those three teams are so hard to figure out for me. I feel like three to five, Kansas State, Creighton, and San Diego State are super, super close. And I think San Diego State could even be better than them, but I I also get that they're they're in a they're in a smaller conference. They have not had throughout, besides in the tournament, and even I mean they they beat Alabama, but besides that, they have not had the toughest strength of schedule all season long. So they're not the most proven and most trusted team, and that I think factors into their price. But man, you put yourself in such a good position if you have a big uh, a big number on Creighton like I do. And you have San, and then you bet San Diego State ten to one. You can hedge easy in the in the championship um, against whoever faces them to be able to give yourself a profit in 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 this tournament. So um, that's the position that I would take. If you also have no position, I think betting on Kansas State is another decent option at seven to one. Um, but you know, it depends how much money you want to put into this, and it depends how much um, how much you really like. San Diego State, or how much you really think can if Kansas State's significantly better um, than maybe San- Kansas State? I don't see FAU. I think FAU is a really good story and a really good team, and I think they've been they've played really good throughout the whole tournament, obviously. But I don't see them getting through all of these teams. I I don't I don't I think fourteen to one is a really short price for them to be able to get through all these teams um, that are that are left. I think you know. They have to get through either Creighton and San Diego State, or San Diego State and Kansas State, and I, I just don't see that happening. And I don't think fourteen to one is a good enough price. If you like FAU, I would just bet them in the games. Um, so that's kind of where we stand right now on the national championship. Can't wait till these Saturday Sunday games. I do have bets for you guys here now, so I'm going to give out my bets in college basketball first, then the NBA, and then NASCAR. If you guys are not following me on Twitter, I post a ton of bets on Twitter at Lynch Ed Cole. I'm Posting all of the podcast bets that I give out 
um, on the Nonstop BS Pod Twitter. Um, and you can also follow me on the Action App at Cole underscore Lynchide, where I track all of my bets that I make. So that'll even be regardless, or that'll even be more than what's what I post on Twitter. I post on Twitter my favorite bets. Um, on the Action App, you have all of my bets. So follow me there if you're interested in the betting side of the podcast. Okay. Starting off on Saturday, I like a, I have a, a side in both of the games on Saturday that I'm going to give out on the podcast. By the way, on Wednesday, I'm going to start updating you guys. I feel like it's better to do this on the podcast because some people will not um, obviously want to go hunt me down on Twitter and follow me and get all the tweets that I put out and everything. So I'm going to start giving out the bets on, on the podcast. So in the NBA on Wednesday night, we did pretty well, three and zero. Heat minus one and a half against the Haw- or against the Knicks. Won that one. Um, the Hawks, I had plus four and a half against the Timberwolves. They lost by one. And then I had the Lakers money line uh, against the Suns at plus 105. And they won that as well. In college basketball, I had Kansas State uh, plus 115 on the money line against Michigan State. What a thriller that was. Awesome bet. Um, and then I had UCLA minus two against Gonzaga. Obviously, that was a loss. I, uh, UCLA is definitely, that was one of the toughest losses of this whole tournament. Between them and Alabama, um, those are my teams that I felt the best about going into the tournament. So that was, that was a tough one. And then, uh, I also had Creighton minus nine and a half on Friday night against Princeton and they ended up, um, winning that by 11. So won that one as well. So that means three and zero in the NBA, uh, one and one in college basketball or two and one in college basketball, um, one and one on one and one on uh Thursday night and then one and zero on Friday night. Okay. So really good day on the Wednesday podcast of bets. So hopefully we can continue that here today. Okay, in college basketball, I like Kansas State over FAU minus one and a half, minus one ten. Like I kind of talked about, I, I don't I think FAU um is gonna struggle against the premier players on Kansas State. Kansas State has just been so good offensively. I mean they they are one of the better three point shooting teams left in the tournament. Um I think a one and a half point line is giving way it's it's overvaluing FAU way too much, and I think Kansas State's kind of been undervalued through this whole tournament. I bet them in every single game that they've played, uh, and they've been super profitable, obviously. So Kansas State minus one and a half. I think it's way short of a line. I'm going to put two units on that. I also like UConn against Gonzaga minus two. Um, I found that minus two minus one ten. It's minus two and a half a lot of places. So um, you know later on Saturday, if you guys listen to this, this may not be. Uh, minus two, but minus two, minus two and a half. I like UConn. Um, I think UConn's just a significantly better team than Gonzaga uh, all the way around. Gonzaga can score and keep up with UConn, but with this line being so short, if this gets up to three and a half or four, I don't like it nearly as much. I probably wouldn't bet it. Um, but at two, two and a half, really, really close. I think UConn is just a significantly better team than Gonzaga. Um, and then I also like one play, one play on Saturday. Um, in the Texas Miami game, I like Texas minus three and a half. Um, they're minus three and a half, minus four. I uh, found them right now at minus three and a half, minus one fifteen. Um, and I'm gonna put one unit on that. Listen, to to me, Texas is the most dominant team left in the tournament. It's gonna be Texas and UConn. I mean, like I already said, I, and and I think that Miami has played really well in the tournament, but eventually. Their lack of talent is going to catch up with them. Their lack of defense is going to catch up with them as well. And uh, I love Texas in that game. Minus three and a half. Okay, in the NBA on Saturday, I have one bet that I'm going to give out. And that is in the Bucks nuggets game. The Bucks taking on the Nuggets in Denver. Um, both or The Bucks coming off a of back-to-back. They played on Friday night and demolished uh, the Utah Jazz. Um I like the Nuggets at home. Uh, Bucks having to travel there. Bucks. I don't know if they're going to be completely healthy healthy for this game or not. And I think the Nuggets are going to be pretty much completely healthy for this game. When I was looking at the injury report, Nuggets minus two and a half, minus one hundred nine, uh, is the best number that I found. I like that for one unit. Um, listen, the Nuggets need. They, they, they've been struggling overall in March, um, but they've been get, They got back on track here this week. And I think the Nuggets, they need this game. They need to get hot going into the playoffs. They do not want to go in the playoffs where they have struggled over the past few seasons. They've been one of the best teams in the NBA in the regular season and then have struggled in the playoffs. 
They need to get hot going into the playoffs, and they I feel like they are going to be super motivated in this game. The Bucks are pretty much locking up the one seed at this point in the in the uh, Eastern Conference. And the Nuggets pretty much have the one seed locked up in the West as well. But um, and, and I think that's been a factor in their kind of slum that they've uh, found themselves in in March. But um, I think they're going to get back on track, and I think it starts here. And I think a, Buc- a Bucks team on a back-to-back that may rest some players uh, be a really good opportunity for the Nuggets. I think this line will probably get longer uh, before the game starts. So Nuggets minus 2.5, minus 109. Um, and I pretty much, I, I like that all the way up to four, four and a half. I like the Nuggets a lot in this game. Okay, last bets I'm going to give out here are in the race coming up here at um, at Coda coming up on Sunday at, I believe this race is at, let me look this up really quick. I, I had the time in front of me, but um, got away from me. I was looking up uh, different different NASCAR stats and stuff from the past races. Yeah, so so this race is at 2.30 on Sunday, Central Time um at circuit of america's first road course of the year so pretty exciting for a lot a lot of nascar fans especially newer nascar fans love road courses i'm not as much of a fan of them um i like more old school tracks um but at the same time it it, it is interesting and it's fun to to be able to bet these races because they're so different to bet so many drivers um and their skill levels at road courses you know a lot of drivers that you would never think to bet in you know, the typical oval uh, mile-and-a-half tracks you would bet in road courses because they, they grew up and they, they raced in a lot of different series that ran on exclusively road courses. So um, there's a lot of different angles and, uh, and, and different um, ways to bet road courses. So I'm going to start off with a few bets here today. I'll give more out on Saturday on the podca- or on, uh, on Twitter. So follow me there, as I already said. Um but I have a few here before qualifying that I am going to give out. So first one I have actually first three are all outrights. Um, I like Ross Chastain at plus 800 for a unit, a full unit. Ross Chastain won this race last year. They've or the cup series has ran two races at this track so far. Chastain ran or got fourth in the first race and won last year. Chastain's really good at road courses. This was his first cup series win last year. Um, and, and, and of his career. And he honestly dominated the race. Between him and his teammate, Daniel Suarez, um, they were very dominant. And they were honestly dominant at both at multiple road courses last year. Um, but plus 800 for him. He had the second best practice time. Ran really good in practice. Um, he's ran really good all season so far. I, I just think him being fourth, fifth favored right now, and, and there being some significant favors over, or f- favorites over him right now, uh, is not exactly right. So I love Chastain at plus 800. Uh, Daniel Suarez, I also like his teammate. Uh, so both Trackhouse drivers were betting this week, and I found Daniel Suarez at plus 1500. He was listed at 12 at plus 1200 at a lot of books. So if you can find the 1500, I like him there. I don't like him so much at 1200. Um, but I'm gonna play that for a half unit. Suarez is one of those guys that runs really well at road courses. He grew up driving on a lot of road courses, um, and in, in in his past, he has been very successful at all sorts of different types of road courses. So I like Daniel Suarez here. He's ran really well also this year um, throughout the bulk of the season, so um, like him a lot. And then I also like Alex Bowman, who got second here. He's ran well both races at Coda as well, and, he, uh, and he's another one like Daniel Suarez, who has ran at a lot of road courses throughout his uh, early years as a race car driver, um, and he's always been really good at them. So he, I found him at 20 to 1. I'm going to also play a half unit there. Um, Alex Bowman has, again, if 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 the Hendrick um, penalty would not have come out, Alex Bowman would be your points leader at this point. Um, so he's ran super well this year. Um, I like Alex Bowman at 20 to 1. And then my other two bets that I'm going to give you right now are Michael McDowell, who another great road course driver, um, I like him for a top 10 finish at plus 145. He had the sixth highest uh, practice time, and uh, I think he he finished in the top 10 here last year. Um, just a really good road course driver. Always finds himself in the top 10, top 5 um, at road courses, and uh, plus 145. I think if you're getting any plus money on McDowell to get a top 10 finish, that's a pretty good bet. And then I also like Ty Gibbs, who has ran super well at Coda. 
in both races in the Xfinity series that he raced. He's plus 430 right now for a top 10 finish. Okay. Chase Elliott's not racing in this race. Um, you know, there, there, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of barriers, um, that would otherwise keep Ty Gibbs, uh, out of being able to be competitive in, in, a, in a race like this that are not going to be there for him in this, in this race. Uh, you got a lot of, you know, celebrity kind of drivers or drivers that are just racing for a single race, um, coming in on this, coming into this race. I think, I think Ty Gibbs is really experienced, really good road course driver. And uh, plus 430, I think it's a ridiculous price for a guy who's always ran well um, at this track. So I like Ty Gibbs, the rookie, at plus 430 for a top 10 finish, and that'll be a half unit as well. Okay, good luck to you guys this weekend. Um, hopefully you enjoyed the podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe, um, and, and let anybody that you know uh, that would be that you think would be interested in the podcast and would like to listen to sports talk without ridiculous forced attitude, aggression, and drama, tell them to come listen to Nonstop BS. I would really appreciate that. Uh, I will also be posting on Twitter here later on this afternoon, um, late in, late in the morning most likely. Um, I'll be posting the competition for the race. So all you have to do for that is follow me on Twitter, um, comment on the post on the Nonstop BS Twitter account, um, Comment your out, your outright winner for the race, and then retweet the post and send me proof of subscribing and um, leaving a review for the podcast on whatever platform you're on. If you do that and you pick the right outright winner, you will win whatever mo- the amount of money that I post on Twitter. So go on there and check it out. Um, I think it's going to be about fifty bucks this week, but. Um, if you want a free chance at winning some of my money, go on Twitter and all you got to do is follow those simple steps. Um, and it, it, it's it, trying to do it for show content. I, it's been fun so far. We've had a few participants. None of them have won. Uh, one was really close last week. They had Brad Keselowski and he obviously got passed on the last lap by Logano at Atlanta. So that was heartbreaking for him. Saved me some money in my wallet, but Go on there and take your shot. It's it's free and it's it's just to spread the podcast and to get um, some sort of show content and fun activity for everybody who listens. But again, thank you guys for listening to the show. We will see you on Wednesday morning again. Um, and this has been Nonstop BS. Have a good weekend. personally felt like we had a really successful episode and you know we're not really about the saris like any of the catch-ups like where i was what i was doing you know what we did it we moved on and